Welcome back to As the Fire Burned Weekly. Um, so last week we talked about um, some of the supposed differences or contradictions um, in Scripture and how a lot of things um, can really be summed up as context, uh, what has been spoken about and what have you. So we mentioned specifically the issue of Paul versus James, faith versus works. Um, now, this issue of faith versus works has been huge within Christianity for such a long time that you almost have to wonder if it will ever be solved. Um, it, well, yes and no. We know that Christ, of course, will one day settle all differences amongst his body. But aside from that, uh, there are many people and this is always how it is within Christianity. If you ever wonder why there's so many denominations and differences within the faith, this is a reason why a huge reason why many people choose to hold to whatever argument they so choose, whichever argument fits their uh mentality or what they want to believe about God or faith or you or whatever it is. A lot of people simply choose to hold to their thought processes, which is unfortunate. And maybe within the faith, we've all been guilty of, to a degree, choosing to hold to a thought process because we like it better. That is something we have to stop doing. We as the body of Christ, Christ being the head, should have a desire to follow the head wherever it leads, wherever the truth may be. We should want to follow that truth. Um, so that's a little aside right there. We want to look at this supposed contradiction between Paul and James and really see, is it sincerely a contradiction or is it more like an accentuation of a certain point. Uh, so we'll jump right into that. We'll start by looking at Paul's viewpoint um, that we find through Galatians and the third chapter. So I'll just start reading there and we'll kind of see Paul's views on the subject matter of faith and works. So Galatians chapter three, I'll start at the first verse. So, oh, foolish Galatians, you got to love the way Paul starts. He's very soft spoken when he uh, when he gets started. Um, so, oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified? This only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun in the spirit, are you now being made perfect by the flesh? Awesome points here. All the, this whole thing. I mean, his points are so great. But let's continue with the thought process. Have you suffered so many things in vain? If indeed it was in vain. Therefore, he who supplies the spirit to you and works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Carefully listen to his argument. Verse six continues. Just as Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Therefore, know that only those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. And the scripture for saying that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand, saying, In you, all the nations 
shall be blessed. So then, those who are of faith are blessed with believing Abraham. For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. For it's written, cursed is everyone who does not contain, uh, continue in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. But that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident for the just will live by faith. Yet the law is not a faith, but the man who does them shall live by them. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might continue upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the spirit through faith. And let's stop right there. I think we kind of see Paul's viewpoints on this. He leans very heavily um, toward faith. I mean, very heavily, it's very evident that Paul champions faith and how much more important in his view faith is than work. So now we got to go to James. We'll read that and then we'll talk about it a little bit because this becomes the issue. What people are saying, contradiction, right? Because you're not using context, contradiction. James is completely against what Paul says. All right, so let's read James. Let's go to chapter two. And we'll look at James' views on the topic of faith versus works. 14, verse 14 in the second chapter. What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Here he goes. Can faith save him? Uh Uh-oh. Now, here's the heart of where people find this to be a contradiction or a disagreement, or you have to choose between one or the other. Can faith save him? Well, what did Paul just say? Yeah. So this is see, this is good because now we're going to get to the heart of this matter and how we look at things and see whether or not these are actual contradictions. So can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, by the way, James's points are just as good as Paul's points. I mean, just it's it's beautiful stuff when you actually see how these things work together, which obviously no suspense. I believe they work together perfectly, but his arguments are absolutely great. And he really picks at a huge weakness in the Christian faith. Just look at where he goes with this. So back to verse 15. If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Now, I got to stop here for a second because this is the nature of our social media culture um, when things happen. And we've all heard this has been mocked by unbelievers and believers alike, yet it's the same thought process. Something happens, my thoughts and prayers. That's exactly what James is contradicting here, or criticizing rather. That whole mentality where I can actually help you, but instead of helping you, oh, I'll be praying for you. It's, 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 it's a different thought process. It's almost like I have to uh, make that a, a amusing of its own <laughs> because there's so much I could say about that unfortunate thought process um, of what James says here, depart in peace, be warmed and filled. That's the same thing when I can help somebody, a brother or sister, by the way, because that's who he singles out in 15. I could help you, but I say instead I'll be praying for you. Wow. 
so much could be said about that because he's criticizing that thought process that is so popular. It always has been, uh, at least for many generations. But with the social media Christian, it's that much worse. Praying for you, you know, thinking of you, all these things that are so useless when I could be actually helping you as Christ would have done. But like I said, I better not go too far down that road or we'll never make it back. Because, I mean, that's a huge point. OK, so he says, what does it profit? Love, love James here. What does it profit to say be warmed and filled right when I could give you the thing that you need? Oh, it's crazy. Verse 17. Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Oh, that's so huge. But someone will say, well, you have faith and I have works. Um, show me your faith without your works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that there is one God. Great. I love his tone here. You do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. So he's like, what is it? Okay, you believe in God. Great. Awesome. Yeah, the demons believe too. It benefits them nothing. So many conversations I have with people, and this is another could be tangent, who believe in God and really feel like their belief in God and rejection of Christ is enough. Even the, the demons believe. I mean, it, that doesn't benefit you. You need a means by which you can be reconciled to God. There's the shortcoming of, well, I believe in God. I just don't know about that Jesus stuff. Yeah, well, that doesn't help you. God doesn't need you to believe in him. God is. So what that you believe in him? Um, that's like your children saying, yeah, I think we might have a dad, guys, while you're sitting right there, you know, on the couch after working for them so that they can have food. Is that really going to flatter you? Oh, wow. These kids think I might be real. I mean, it, it, it makes no sense. God doesn't need you to believe in him as though that makes his heart warm. God knows that he is. So, yeah, people Well, well I believe in God, but I don't know about the Jesus stuff. Yeah, you're in just as much danger as if you didn't believe in God. Just another footnote there. Um, verse 20, and we'll stop here. But do you know, but do you want to know, oh, foolish man, that faith without works is dead. So let's stop there for a second. All right. And we're going to get right into this because just as much as Paul seems to champion faith, James seems to champion works. So let's look at this supposed contradiction and see what we really um, have here. Let's start by going backwards in James chapter two. Still, let's look at. Hmm. Let's look at verse. Well, let's read the first 13 verses, maybe in James chapter two and see what the context is leading up to his statement on faith and works. That seems like a good way to to do it. OK. My brethren, he says, beginning, do not hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with partiality. This is just awesome stuff. This is why I'm so huge on using scripture properly, having discussions about it, not just running through it because it's, you know, sermon time, but really stopping to discuss it because this is awesome. This is what Christians, another thing we're so bad at is partiality. What he means by that is separating points of scripture, of doctrine, and making one point stronger than another. Um, I go to church on Sunday. I go to church on Saturday. Stop being partial. Um, we dress up when we come to church. Will we wear whatever we want? Stop being partial. We play this music. Electric guitars are of the devil. Stop being partial. Um, just these things like this. 
you know, even things that are are doctrinal. Um, I love his attitude here. Don't hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ with partiality, choosing one before another. Beautiful, beautiful stuff right there. He gives examples. For if there should come into your assembly, and when, when you see scriptures like this that are so convicting, it's sad that they're so prevalent in the church. Look at what he says and how bad people are at this today. For if there should come into your assembly, your church, a man with gold rings and fine apparel, and there should also come in a poor man in filthy clothes, and you pay attention to the one wearing the fine clothes and say to him, hey, sit here in the good place. And to the poor man, you stand over there or sit here at my footstool. Have you not shown partiality among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? This alone um, is enough to take up so much time in conversation because we do this. Even churches that think they're humble sometimes fall into this place. Yeah, they might let the poor person come in and sit where they please or whatever. But when it comes time to decision making and stuff like that, they'll smile at the poor guy, the person who nobody knows. But that visiting pastor, oh, we're going to listen to what he has to say. Well, why? Based on what? You know him just as little as you know the poor man. It's so sad that these scriptures are here and yet ignored. So he continues on. Now, this is the context. This is why context is so important. We're leading up to his talks about faith versus works. So important. Listen, my beloved brethren. He's trying to be nice here. I love you guys is why I say it. Has God not chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man. Do not the rich oppress you and drag you into the courts? Do they not blaspheme that noble name by which you are called? If you really fulfill the royal law, according to the scripture, here he comes. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. You do well. But if you show partiality, you commit sin. You miss the mark and are convicted by the law as transgressors. So already we're seeing his thoughts and why he sees value here. For whoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble in one point, he is guilty of all. Already we're starting to see the correlation between him and Paul. Already we're starting to see it and what Christ did in conquering the whole thing. 11. For he who said do not commit adultery also said do not murder. See the power in that? Um, this is the same one, Christ. He said this and he also said this. You can't hold one and not the other. That's his whole point. Okay, you can't hold one and let the other one go. Because God said both of these things I want you to do. You can't go to God and say, I agree with you with the murder thing, but the adultery thing is a bit much. So I'm going to go ahead and not murder anybody, but I'm going to commit all the adultery I want. And at least I'm not killing people. That is not the thought process of one who understands scripture. That's what James is saying here about the partiality. Um, being partial is not the way to go. This is why these first 13 verses become huge when considering um, works. Because this is really what he's getting to. Now, if you do not commit adultery, but you do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. Period. It's that simple. So speak and so do as those who will be judged by the law 
of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. All right, so now let's go beyond what he said um, and start at verse 21. Okay, so we read the first part where people think he says works are vital for salvation. All right, that's the argument here, Paul or James. So now let's look at the next verses after verse 20, which we started off reading 14 to 20. So now let's go to 21. And we want to watch how beautifully this all comes together um, to accentuate Paul's point on faith, but also to explain James's view on works, which are both views. Obviously, they're biblical because they're in the Bible, but they're both views that agree with the doctrine of Christ, whose doctrine is obviously the most valuable. Verse 21 was not Abraham, our father, justified. Now, this is awesome because Paul says the exact opposite. Seemingly, Paul says that Abraham was justified by faith. Now, look at what James is going. I love this because it, it, it when it comes together, it's like, oh, I get it. So look at this. Was not Abraham, our father, justified by works when he offered Isaac, his son, on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with his works and by uh, works? Faith was made perfect. Already, he explains the. I mean, I, to look at this and say contradiction I mean, he just explains it himself. I'll explain it more, I guess, if need be. But he explains it right here, what he means. In verse 22, do you see that faith was working together with his works and by works was made perfect? And the scripture was fulfilled, which says Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. You see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. This is beautiful stuff. I mean, this is awesome. Likewise, um, let me see. Do I want to stop there? Let's go a little farther. Likewise, was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way? For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. How about hanging that on your wall, right? Don't we love hanging stuff on our walls as Christians? Well, we all pretty much hang the same thing, right? That's for me and my house. We will serve the Lord. We all hang that one. How about hanging this one? Somebody start a new trend for as the body without the spirit is dead. So faith without works is dead. Also, let's put that on the wall and make that a bumper sticker and hang that up in the church and all these other great things, uh, you know, that we like to, to show. How about that? That would be an awesome one. So pretty much at the end, he kind of explains it already. These verses, when you put them together, actually create that unity and prove that there is no discord at all between the doctrines of James and Paul. Paul just makes it clear that salvation comes through faith, not accompanied with works. And James says, yeah, he's right. But don't forget that works are important. It's almost, if they were talking together, that's how it would have went. Paul would have come up first and said, look, guys. In order to be saved, all it takes is faith. You can't work for this. Then James would have come up and said, yeah, Paul, great point. But because I see some people smiling, like, you know, what they do now doesn't matter. So James would have come up and said, great point, Paul. But let's remind them that because we are saved through faith, we work. That's how the if they were tag team preaching, that's how it would have gone. And everybody would have been like, oh, but sometimes, you know, people don't use scripture the right way. 
I guess that's one way to say it. So let, let, let's marry these two thought processes even more, and we'll start with Abraham because they both use Abraham as an example. Paul uses Abraham as an example of faith. James uses Abraham as an example of works. Okay, so the question, was God's acceptance, was Abraham's acceptance of God an issue of faith or works? And this will explain everything to us, right? Was it faith or works, Abraham's acceptance of God? All right. So let's look at two different scenarios to consider this in Genesis. Um, let's see. Let's go to Genesis and we're going to go to chapter 15 here, starting at the first verse. Yeah, that looks good. All right. So Genesis chapter 15. Let's see what this says. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision saying, do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. But Abram said, Lord God, um, what will you give me saying I go childless and the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus? Um, now, a fair question. You know, a lot of times Christians look back at the Israelites and say, oh, they were so faithless. This is a fair question. Okay, God is like, I'm going to, you know, give you this huge, um, all these children. And Abraham is like, all I have is this slave, pretty much. So is that what you're talking about? Okay, so three. Then Abram said, look, you have given me no offspring. Um, indeed, one born in my house is my heir. Okay, so Abraham's just trying to understand. I mean, it's it's a fair question. Um, and behold, the word of the Lord came to him saying, this one will not be your heir, this Eleazar guy. But one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. Then he brought him outside and said, look now toward heaven and count the stars if you are able to number them. And he said to him, so shall your descendants be. Here we go. And he believed in the Lord and the Lord accounted it to him for righteousness. Right there, this becomes very clear. Okay. And this Paul would point to. And say, see, his righteousness was based on faith. At this point, Abraham did no work, period. Okay, he did no work at all. God took him outside and said, Eleazar will not be your heir. Look up into the sky and begin counting the scars, the stars. Abraham probably made it to what, 17? I mean, it's boring trying to count the stars. I mean, he just looked up and was like, I can't do that. And he believed God with no children. Um, Eleazar would be his heir by law. And he believed God. He said, okay, beautiful, beautiful faith right there. He said, okay, if you say so, I, all right, I believe that clearly we see Paul is right, right? Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. All right, now let's look at James's point. Let's travel now to chapter 22, still in Genesis. And we're going to see, um, we're going to look at James's point. All right, starting at verse one in Genesis chapter 22. We already know that Abraham has said to God, okay, when he was Abram, he said, all right, if you say so, let's, let's do it. 
Verse 1 in Genesis 22. Now, it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham. Now, we see the ham part come in and said to him, Abraham. And he said, yep, right here. Here I am. Uh, then he said, this is God speaking. Um, take uh, now your son, your only son, Isaac, who you love. Right. So God has show, shown himself to be trustworthy. Because here we see Abraham now has a son. Okay, we see Isaac. This is his second, of course. We we know of Ishmael, whom was the son of his lack of faith or lack of patience or of works of the law. Ishmael was, right, the son who caused all the issues, um, even up to this day, right, with the Muslim and the Jew, the Ishmaelites and the the Israelites, Okay, so we we see that right here. The son of of his lack of faith is Ishmael. Uh, The son of his faith is Isaac. But we see that God came through when all Abram did at first was say, "Okay, I believe you. So he says, take the son you love, Isaac, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering um, on one of the mountains that I will tell you. So Abraham wrote. Now, we don't see an argument. We don't see Abraham questioning. We don't know that he did. Um, if somebody made a movie about it, of course, they would make Abraham mad and all this other stuff. OK, leave that on film. Who knows what his reaction was? All we know is that he did it. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey, took two of his young men with him and Isaac, his son. And he split the wood for the burnt offering. He arose, went to the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to his young men, you guys stay here with the donkey. Uh, me and Isaac will go yonder and worship and we'll come back to you. So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. He told Isaac to carry it and he took the fire in his hand. Now, this is one thing, you know, because everybody always shows Isaac as this little bitty baby who didn't know what was going on. Probably not. He gave him the wood to carry. All right. So <laughs> Isaac was not just some little baby. He was old enough to say, so what's going on, dad? You know, he he was at that point. So um, Isaac takes the, the, uh, the wood and he took the fire in his hand and a knife and the two of them went together. Um, but Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, my father. And he said, yep, right here. What do you want, son? Uh, so then he said, look, the fire and the wood. I get it. Uh, but where's the lamb for the burnt offering? Isaac knows how sacrifice works at this point. OK, so he's like, well, where's I see all the ingredients except for the main ingredient. You know, we have the utensils. We have you know, the, all the spices, but where's the, where's the meat? I don't, I don't understand what we're cooking. So Abraham says, my son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So let's keep it in context. I know people love that uh, speaking of Christ, but let's just keep it in context right now. So the two of them went together. Uh, then they came to the place of which God had told him and Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood um, in order. And he bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, here I am, which Abraham apparently likes to say. And he said, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now, I know that you fear God. Look at this. This is what James is talking about. Works. I know that you fear God because you did what I said This is a work. I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son, your only son from 
me. Genesis 15 paired with Genesis 22 is the key to connecting Paul and James. Even though they already did it, these unlock that door of connection that show exactly what the two of them mean. Genesis 15, Abram simply believes God. All he has is Eleazar, no heir. God says, come outside real quick. Look up there, count the stars. That's what your seed will be like. And Abraham says, okay. And he lived that life of okay. Yes, he was weak at times. Yes, he stumbled. Yes, he tried to do it himself. But he believed that it was going to come to pass simply because he believed God. We travel to Genesis 22, and then James comes up, if they were tag team preaching, and he would say, then read this. Paul is definitely right. Great scripture. Now, let's read Genesis 22, and we're going to learn how faith without works is dead. Abraham could have said all he wanted to that he believed God. But if he did not believe him enough to go through with this, trusting that God would make a way, then we would have seen that his faith was not real. Faith without works just as James says, is dead. You can say you believe God all you want, but when he tells you to do something, if you do not obey, your faith has shown itself to be wrong, a lie, not true. Because if you had faith, you would simply do it. These two thought processes easily agree. No contradiction. They easily agree 100%. And not only that, there are great points that almost need, not even almost, that absolutely need one another to be even stronger. Yes, we are saved by faith, period. But our faith is made evident when we obey. This is why it's always so huge as Christians to encourage one another to do what God told us to do. That is what proves we are truly in Christ when we obey what we're told to do. So, I mean, this this becomes very, very clear, okay? And again, look at, looking back really quickly at James chapter 2, um, verse 18. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works, okay? Somebody will say that and we're good. No, no, no. Show me your faith without your works and I will evidence my faith through my works, This is another one to hang on your wall. If you I mean, if we really hung on our walls, things that we needed every day to help encourage us to continue to live obediently to Christ, our walls will be covered and it might be a good thing. Right. That's even what it speaks of in uh, of the Israelites. It says, hang these laws on your door and on your doorposts and on, on, you know, wear them as a chain, you know, just hang them everywhere. I mean, there are so many scriptures, you know, that are great reminders. James 2.18 is another one. Show me your faith without your works, and I will prove my faith to you by my works, by obeying God. My faith is evidenced, as we all should be saying this, my faith is proven, forget you, to God, to myself, you know. My faith is made evident when I obey God. When I do the things that God tells me to do through Christ, then I know that my faith is real. My faith is proven because I believe that God is going to reward me for living the way he told me to live. I believe that all things work together for good. Um, 
because I love God and I obey God, I believe these things. Um, and I'm, I'm called according to his prayer. I believe these things. And therefore, um, I work because I believe that God is pleased with me for doing this thing that, okay, you show me your faith without work. So yeah, oh yeah, I believe God, but I do what I want to do. Yeah. Your fingers are crossed. You don't believe God. You're just, okay. Sounds a little bit plausible. So if Christ is the way, yeah, I'll take one of those. But anyway, I'm going back to living my life the way I want to. It's fake. It's not real. That's what James is saying. Paul would agree with it 100%. There is no contradiction here whatsoever. Salvation comes through faith. The evidence of my faith is in my works. The two agree 100%. Um, So contrary to the thought process that what we have here is a contradiction of sorts, what we actually find is a huge agreement um, that is absolutely pivotal to understanding the Christian life and how we ought to walk. Um, just as Paul says, faith is preeminent to salvation. Um, just as James says, works follow and thus prove faith. Therefore, faith without works is dead because a lack of works prove that I don't hold true faith in Christ. Um, if I did, I would see the worth and the benefit of seeking God's kingdom first. It's that simple. Um, so, yeah, no contradiction and absolute uh, agreement, you know, period. So that I thought would be good to do um, just to, again, just give an example of uh, it's not contradiction. Look at the context. And hey, by the way, uh, whatever somebody tells you was a contradiction, I would love to talk about it. Um, so I get this all the time with people. They talk to me and, oh, yeah, I believe God, but it's just some contradictions. People say it all the time. And the funny thing is they very seldom can give you an example because they just heard somebody else say it. that's how most people are, sadly. But, yeah, if you have something you think is a contradiction or, you know, somebody who think is a contradiction, uh, email me. Tell me about it. And I would love to do uh, amusing about it. Let's look at it. OK, if we have faith, let's have faith. You know, I don't believe there is one thing in the Bible that is contradictory to the extent of, hmm, can we trust this book? Absolutely. Bring it, bring it to the table and let's have a look at it scripturally without just trying to defend. Let's look at, let's see what God has to say about it. Um, let's, let's evidence our faith there by that work. Um, so great example of context, um, you know, to get those explanations of doctrinal principles that can seem like you know, contradictions, but they usually profoundly agree. This is just a great example of that. Um, so absolutely. Faith faith is the means by which we are saved. OK, um, works are the evidence that we are saved. OK, so just as James said, just as Paul said, we're saved by faith, just as James said, yet faith without works is dead. And you know what I just have an idea for for the next what we we'll do next week. We'll, we'll start talking about what is faith All right, for the next weekly uh, musing with as the fire burned we're going to talk about what exactly is faith okay so hopefully we'll see you next week i'm on the next edition of as the fire burned weekly